0: We have been talking about Revelation, and tonight I want to point out that there are two lines of communication. God speaks to us in two ways. we spent this entire class talking about the personal line, that I get to hear directly from him. As his child, I am entitled to Revelation, and there's nothing I can do that will disqualify me from speaking with my father sin does not stop me from being able to speak to my God, my Heavenly Father. He is my Father. There is nothing that my children could possibly do for which I would stop talking to them. I just wouldn't. And so I get to speak to Heavenly Father. And we've been talking about the rules, and that's, I know that's a very complicated thing. And when you dive into the Scriptures, you realize there's so many facets to improving my revelation with Heavenly Father. So many things that happen here that affect this. And it is my, its my it has been my testimony from the very beginning that you control the flow that comes from God. You control it. You open that door, and it's on you if you want more. So we've spent the entire summer talking about how to improve this line of communication. But there is an entire line of communication that we haven't even addressed. So what I want to do is just, if I had another summer, let me tell you what we would do as we covered this line of communication. God speaks to me personally, and he speaks through the priesthood line. Can you imagine, hold on. Can you imagine if the plan of salvation were revealed individually? How many kingdoms of glory would there be? (laughs) I think there's five. Well, I think there's two. There would be chaos. What if everyone called themselves on a mission? Would you go to Reno? (laughs) Or would everyone end up in Hawaii? You know, there has to be order in the kingdom, which is why we have a priesthood line of communication and there are certain things that do not come this way. My mission call did not come this way. If I wanted to go on a mission, I had to yield to the priesthood line of communication. Scriptures come through the priesthood line. And understanding the two different lines of communication and how they're related. Now, if we had a whole nother summer, I would like to talk about what comes this way and how it's connected to this one. So here's what I wanna do. We have about an hour. I wanna talk about three priesthood line tools that that open this door. Taking advantage of things that come through the priesthood line increases personal revelation. Now, what are some of these? Some of the ones we won't cover patriarchal blessings, missions. Going on a mission has a tremendous influence in your personal communication, doesn't it? When, would, when did you feel closest to Heavenly Father? So, yielding to a priesthood tool opened up personal revelation. Would a priesthood blessing be one of them? A priesthood blessing would be another one of those. So, for the sake of time, I just want to do. I don't even know if we're going to get to three. We probably will only get through two. But the first one I want to talk about is Scripture. One of the most powerful ways to increase personal revelation is to read Scripture, study Scripture, treasure Scripture. Another one is temple. And a third one as prophet. Can you begin to think of the connections all three of those have to personal revelation? Attending the temple has opened up personal revelation like very few other things in my life. The scriptures, I have spent my life studying the scriptures, and the scriptures open up personal revelation. So what I'd like to do is just take a few minutes and do as much of this as we possibly can. And I wanna focus on the connection between the priesthood line tool and increasing personal revelation. So a lot of places we could go about scriptures. The Book of Mormon is fascinating in that it talks about itself and the role that it plays in our life. Let's do one of the more subtle ones of those that often gets missed. Turn with me to Alma chapter 37 Alma 37, a priesthood line tool that opens up personal line communication. Alma chapter 37. All right, can someone tell me the gist of Alma 37? This is where Alma is passing the plates on to Helaman. Helaman is now gonna take over, sorry. No, that's right. Alma is passing on the plates to Helaman. Helaman is gonna take over the stewardship of the plates. And in doing so, let me get there. Alma 37. He's going to say, you know that famous line, by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. We take that out of context all the time. And I think it's fine that we do because it's an eternal truth taken out of context that the Lord does operate by small and simple things. But what was the small and simple thing he was referring to? We take it out of context. Let's read it in its context. Verse 5, Alma 37, 5, And now behold, if they, meaning the scriptures, the the scriptures he's handing over to Helaman, if they are kept, they must retain their brightness, yea, and they will retain their brightness, yea, and and also shall all the plates which do contain that which is holy writ. Now you may suppose that this is foolishness in me. What's the antecedent to this? taking care of the plates. You might think it's foolish to put so much time and effort into taking care of this plates. That's the setting. It is wisdom that we take. Now, what's the modern day connection? I'm not Helaman. I'm not receiving the gold plates, the brass plates to take care of them. But I have a Book of Mormon and I'm not studying it. And so you might think it's foolish to promise great blessings to those who study the scriptures, but it is by small and simple things that great things are brought to pass. One of the most profound ways to increase personal revelation in your life is one of the simplest things you can do. But because it's simple, if it's easy to do, what else is it? It's easy to forget. So let's talk about the difference between forgetting and not forgetting. So in Alma chapter 37, he's going to compare, look at verse 38. He's going to compare the scriptures to the Liahona and what they did with the Liahona. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of get right up into your face and I'm going to ask are you doing the same thing with the scriptures that we possess we have incredible access to scripture are we taking advantage of it so here's the question here's let's walk through what they did and we'll ask are you any better are we any better Because if we are, we're gonna do the same thing. If we can be better, we'll do the opposite. So let's talk about what they did with the Liahona and what Alma is begging us not to do with the scriptures. So starting in verse 41, chart this with me. Tell me what they did with the Liahona.
1: They were slothful and they forgot.
0: Okay, so there's box number one. They were slothful and forgot. Now, give me synonyms today. Lazy. Okay, sometimes we are simply lazy with the scriptures. Neglect. And I think we need to not, let's do some realistic ones. I think neglect. Okay, so I'm just going to write other priorities. (laughs) And let's be honest, isn't that kind of our world? The number one reason I don't read the scriptures isn't because I don't like them. And I don't think I'm lazy. I don't think I'm lazy. But I get distracted Distracted. I think that's a big one I think we need to put distracted up there I'm distracted by what by bad things no by good things but there's the problem I forgot I got distracted and you know what it's sitting in my pocket they're sitting in my pocket And I'm focused on some other things. I'm doing the same thing.
1: I was gonna
0: put other priorities and make it um, devalue. Yeah, we devalue. And maybe we don't understand value. And I think, isn't that what he meant by, you might think this is foolish, but it's not. It's by these small and simple things that great things are brought to
1: pass. We're like skimming
0: through. Okay, so we skim we really don't benefit from it it's like being hungry and smelling the food oh this is a great meal okay i'm full sorry you missed it buddy similar to that it's
2: just kind of like checking off the
0: list okay duty almost like right it's like oh i have to we've learned yeah I, there's this checklist mentality How many times have you read your scriptures out of kind of obligation, and then when you've read an entire chapter, I have no idea what I just read. But I read, Lord, give me credit. (laughs) But I'm no better, but I read. And so I think all of these things are the problem. Now, let's be honest with the result. If I am slothful, forget, lazy, distracted, devalue, whatever. What's the result? Look back in verse 41. They silenced heaven. They silenced heaven. They, so the next one is, no help from heaven. Now, is that because heaven wasn't listening or didn't care? Or they turned the channel off. They shut the corridor down. Now, what happens if I fail to get help from heaven? Help Interesting, right? Now, in, specifically in their case, when the miracles ceased, they did not progress. And instead of progressing, tell me verse 42. Instead of progressing, they tarried. Let's, let's do these one at a time. Tarried. Number two? That's three. So not direct. And they hungered. Okay, give me modern equivalents. Someone who is tarrying in the wilderness is what would our language be? I'm I'm lost. I'm stuck. I'm blinded. Now, have you ever gone through periods of your life and do you know people that you love that are just kind of... Stuck. They are tarrying in the wilderness. Now, what's the reason for the tarrying? They're not getting divine help. And why aren't they getting divine help? They've turned it off. Give me equivalence to not direct. If I'm not walking directly, I'm directionless. I'm wandering. That's a different kind of lost, isn't it? Like no purpose. No purpose. You get the idea, right? Now, the sad thing is, those are very real, aren't they? I can think of people that are doing these things, and I think, can think of times in my life where I was doing that. I can think of times in my life where I was kind of directionless. And I was wandering and I was going in many different directions but I really wasn't moving now why I'll be honest it's because I wasn't receiving help and the reason I wasn't receiving help is I turned away from the tool I was slothful again who controls the flow of help I do. Give me synonyms for people you know that are hungry. Empty, empty is a fascinating one. Hollow. Hollow. Like, void. void. Now, these are people I care about. I love deeply. But I would say their, their life seems empty. Unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. Say bitter. Bitter, even. Now, you're going to find a lot of people in the mission field, and this is a perfect description. And it's not that they're evil people. It's not that they're, they're just missing something. So here's what I propose. Let's erase all the negatives, and let's turn them positive, OK? And then let's do the exact same thing and watch. And you can almost do this from personal experience. You can look at periods of your life and you can say, "Oh my goodness, I re- I recognize that now." So tell me, what's the key here? Okay, so let's give me all the words that should describe your scripture study. Diligent, Diligent. meaning more than reading, right? Yeah. Can I say? What really is important is opening the pages and reading is important. But I would suggest one of the most important things is what I do when I close the pages. Far too many of us do what? Close the pages and it's gone. So diligent, ponder. Purpose. purpose, To study the scriptures purposefully is very different, isn't it? Does it necessarily have to take a lot of time? It doesn't, but it does require purpose, effort. Any others you want to add?
1: Maybe it's not like a, like a word, but like, um, maybe it's better to do like, read it like a, like, a shorter passage and, like, actually study it than, like, read, like, a chapter and get, like, nothing out of it. Or at least for me, when I try to read, like, a chapter a day, sometimes I just, like, read the chapter to, like, wait,
0: what? <laughs> what did I? Just... <laughs> it's like food, right? Can you imagine filling up your body with enough food to last a week? Our body doesn't do it that way, does it? It would reject that much food and yet sometimes we think our brain and our spirit we treat our brain and our spirit that way let me cram down enough to carry us for a week and think we're going to be okay and i think there's a better way to tap into the blessings of heaven and that is smaller more purposeful more intense more meaningful little by little that's a good way to describe it consistent consistent You got it. Now we could keep going, right? And I would encourage you to make this list and describe words that should describe your scripture study. And can I say, with your busy schedules, it doesn't have to be a lot of time demanding. The difference is what you do in the small periods of time that you give the scriptures and not necessarily feel like I have to give the scriptures significantly large periods of time. The Lord knows you're students and you're working and you've got a thousand things going on. But we still need that consistent moving forward.
1: Yeah, it's so like with that, a lot of times,
0: well, depending on the situation, I don't have a lot of time to study. Yeah. Okay, like sit down and spend, you know, 15 minutes or an hour, it's just not realistic depending on where I'm at, what I'm doing. But like I found if I take five minutes Find a principle and I say, hey, that's the principle I'm gonna think about and I think about that throughout the day, that's so much more effective to me than burning through an hour at the end of the day and calling it good. It's just consistently throughout the day actually makes a difference and I feel like it opened the real Absolutely beautifully stated. Absolutely. Now I can do that. A busy student with three jobs, I can do that. Now, an hour in the scriptures, there's no way I can ever do that. And that's knowing me and knowing what I am capable of of, I'm going to turn this on. I'm going to make this open up. Now, if I do that, what's the result? Simply put, it is help from heaven. If you do that, I testify, you turn on help from heaven. You control the flow. Diligent, pondering, purposeful, bite-sized pieces that mean something to me. Turn on help from heaven. Now give me the opposite of the three. Terry, not direct, hungry. So let's do this one.
1: Directed.
0: Okay, so this is... I'm going to use, I'm going to, let me start with President Nelson's mo, m- word. I, I, fascin, I, w- I was fascinated he gave an entire talk on spiritual momentum. momentum. Can I bear testimony that one of the things that happens when I turn this on is momentum? Momentum forward. It moves me. Heaven's help moves me. I just, I, I, it, there's, there's no way I can, I wish I can sing it and shout it. Turning this on moves me. Spiritual momentum. And what I love about that, one time I ran out of gas as I was coming downhill. At the bottom of the hill was a gas station. I made it. Because even though my car was out of fuel, I was moving in the right direction. And that movement got me through that period until I could refuel. When I turn heaven's help on, I will still have moments where I run out of fuel. But I'm moving. I'm moving forward until the fuel can come back. That is such an important concept that you miss out on when you turn this off. So tarried, what does it do here? What does heaven's help do? You can testify. Tell me what heaven's help has done in your life. How is put a destination? I just... Perfect. It's a purpose. It's a vision. It's a... It's a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I love that one. Foundation.
1: Foundation. It helped me like, heal, and he gave me new plans <laughs> after all of <the> my <laughs> But he also like gave me like purpose, and like he's given me so much more. It's like because like while I've been waiting for God to fulfill His promise, like He has shown me like all sorts of love, like not the love I was necessarily expecting. That's right.
0: But... New plans. I like that. New plans. Foundation. Purpose. Can I just testify to you? That little device in your pocket that often gets neglected. Because we're busy. Could in fact. Give me direction. Purpose. Foundation. Momentum. Why in the world do we forget and get slothful? Is that,
1: I mean, when I was thinking about John 15, as he talks about abiding in him. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're doing
0: these things, it leads to that. And then yep. he fills everything else. Yep. And he moves me forward. All right, how about this one? Instead of hungering. Full. Full. That, that is such a fascinating word in the scriptures. They were filled. And can I add a word? Joy is only for those who have Jesus in their life. Pleasure, happiness, all of that is different, but joy, joy, even in pain, even in difficult times, I can have joy. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. Joy is the filling of my soul. And it's not dependent on what's going on outside me. I can have joy even in darkness. Complete. Just beautiful words. Now, I know every one of us in this room know this is true. And yet, if we're not careful, what's going to happen? We're going to forget. We're going to be slothful. And so I would encourage you, what are you going to do to make sure I'm not slothful and I don't turn heaven's help off? And here's the thing, what was the right thing to do in your 20s is not gonna help you in your 30s. You're gonna have to constantly be adjusting your plan, knowing the human tendency to forget. Remember when the serp- they were being bitten by the serpents and they raised, Moses raised the serpent? Nephi pointed out two reasons why they didn't. And one of them was simply what? It was too easy. The solution was too easy, and because it was too easy, it was easy to forget. So I plead with you to understand that that tool really does impact this. And I promise you, you can turn on heaven's help. Having heaven's help doesn't mean everything goes perfectly in my life, but it does mean all of these things. Absent them is a hard way to live life. And just one last scripture, turn to Haggai, Old Testament, find the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter one. I think this is the most beautiful description of life with God. When you've turned heaven's help on versus when you have forgotten, been slothful, and you've turned heaven's help off. Everyone find the book of Haggai. Haggai. So they were supposed to build the temple and they haven't. And so verse five, I love the phrase, consider your ways. Chapter one, one, Haggai one, verse five, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you. But you're not warm. You earn wages, but you put them in a bag with holes. Have you ever felt like that was your life? May I suggest turning on heaven's help with diligent scripture study? Okay. Any other thoughts? Scriptures. We could spend hours more, Jill. Um, there's-
2: remember the way it goes exactly but um something about like sufficient is the day unto the evil thereof and sometimes i think about about,
0: yeah it's in the sermon on the mount
2: yeah like it doesn't matter taking no
0: thought
2: like how much we time like okay it does matter how much time a day we spend with the lord but not like overdoing it or underdoing it you have to have that balance, and the Heavenly Father will give you exactly what is sufficient for that day. Yeah.
1: It's,
0: yep.
2: It's so cool that like,
1: cause I know when I read my scriptures, or at least try it, like even if it's just like a few verses, and I like listen to some like Jesus jams or like Christian music, like I'm and, so, and I like start my morning off with like a prayer and stuff. I'm somehow able to get every single done thing, or almost everything done yeah. that I need, or like the most important thing.
0: This is a very real thing turning on heaven's help and I control it right I've got the switch he doesn't I have the switch he will fill whatever vessel I give him so why not turn it on and get his help as big a vessel as I possibly can okay speaking of vessels let's get to the temple let's talk about temples now I love ordinances. Don't get me wrong. I love ordinances, but I worry that far too many of us see the temple as ordinance only. So allow me to talk about some of the other reasons we build temples and I'm going to use the Lord's own words. Why do we build temples in addition to performing ordinances? Why do we build temples? Turn with me to the dedicatory prayer of the Salt Lake temple section 109. And let me point out two or three reasons that we build temples that are not even associated with ordinances. Were there any ordinances in the Kirtland temple? No. And yet we built the Kirtland temple and dedicated the Kirtland temple. Where we find Sex, section 109 doctrine and covenant section 109. Turn with me section 109. Can I suggest just a handful of reasons? why we build temples that aren't necessarily ordinance related. I think far too many people, I I had a sweet little friend who said, um, I'm not gonna go to the temple because I can't stand up and stand down like we do during the ordinances. She was eliminating the temple because she couldn't perform the ordinances. And I thought, There are so many other reasons to go to the temple than to perform ordinances. So let me just do a handful of them. Number one, verse five. I love the word that here. Now, go to the chapter heading of section one. Go to the section heading. Where was this revelation? This is kind of an odd thing. Dedicatory prayers are prayers we give. This is Joseph Smith is gonna say these words, but where does he say he got the words from? So Heavenly Father is gonna tell Joseph Smith what to say to Heavenly Father. It's kinda like, here's $5, buy me a present. It's kinda odd, right? Why would Heavenly Father tell Joseph what to say to him? Well, Joseph didn't understand the purpose of it. He didn't fully understand why temples. So the Lord steps in and says, this is too important. I need you to understand what you're telling me, what you're asking me. So even though Joseph is saying the words, God is writing the words. Think about that as we read them. Verse 5, for thou knowest that we have done this work through great tribulation. And out of our poverty have we given of our substance. Now that's so true. How expensive was the Kirtland Temple? Considering our inability to pay and what we built, it might very well be the most expensive building ever ever built. It's one thing to build a temple today where we've got billions of dollars. When we had nothing and we built a temple. Now, why did we do that? Why in our poverty did we build a temple? Out of our poverty have we given of our substance to build a house to thy name, that. So tell me why we build temples. In addition to ordinances, why do we build temples?
1: So that some of can have a
0: place to manifest himself. Oh, I wish that resonated in everyone's soul. We build temples so that the son of man might have a place to manifest himself to his people. Now, I I think we all believe that Heavenly Father speaks to us everywhere, but there is increased divine attention in the temple. That's why we build them. Jacob saw what? A ladder. between heaven and earth. That was Bethel, the first temple. Well, Jacob's temple. We build temples to give God a place to manifest himself to his people, to just be with God. Why go to the temple? That's it. Whether you do ordinances or not. I just need him to be with Noel well, we'll get to that one in a second. But I need to give him, I need to be in a place where I have increased divine attention. Jill?
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I'm a temple worker and I do like a lot of ordinances most of the time. But there was one night where I was assigned to help just like open doors for people coming in for 30 minutes. And there was this one guy who came in, he didn't even go to the desk. He came in, he sat down right by the doors, and he just read the scriptures for 30 minutes. And when, I, when he left us, I said, thank you for coming. And he looked at me with tears in his, his eyes, and he said, of course. And it just made me so happy that like people are making an effort to come to the temple.
0: And he caught a vision, didn't he? This isn't for necessarily just the ordinances. I am here to give the Son of Man a place to manifest himself to me. Let's turn to another dedication. Turn with me to King Solomon, dedicating Solomon's temple. Go to first Kings chapter eight. So keep Doctrine and Covenants 109. We're going to need that one, but open up Old Testament. First Kings chapter eight is where Solomon dedicates the temple. And notice a very, very similar passage. So starting in verse 22, Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread his hands towards heaven and said, he dedicates the temple. So jump down to verse 37 through 39. 1 Kings 8, 37 through 39. Now listen to this prayer. If there be in the land famine, If there be pestilence or blasting or mildew or locusts or if there be caterpillar. Now, those are very Old Testament problems. I think we could modernize them. If there be financial problems or health problems. If there be social problems. If your children are struggling with addiction. If you have debt that you can't pay. If, your enemy bese- if the enemy besiege them in the land, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be. Now listen, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of their own heart and spread forth his hands towards this house. There's something special about a prayer in his house then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and do and give. Do you see what he was dedicating? There is increased divine attention in his house. Now watch this actual come into play. Let me watch, watch, we're going to watch them get into a situation. Judah is going to get into a situation and they're going to quote this to the Lord. So turn with me to 2 Chronicles 20. So from 1 Kings 8, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The king of Judah is Jehoshaphat. And he is besieged in the land by his enemies. The Moabites represent all the challenges that come in your life. Financial challenges, social challenges, health problems. Whatever keeps you up at night is the enemy of Moab. Ready? Verse 2. There came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee. Now there's the phrase. There cometh a great multitude against thee. Verse 3. Jehoshaphat, like the rest of us, feared but he set himself to seek the Lord. And specifically, where do they gather? Verse 4, Judah gathered themselves to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Where, verse 5? In the house of the Lord. Now listen to their prayer. See if it sounds familiar. Ready? Ready? Verse 6, O Lord God of our fathers, art, now thou, not, art thou not God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to thy seed, the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, see, they're going to quote Solomon's prayer. If when evil come upon us, as the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, if we stand before this house and in thy presence cry unto thee in our affliction, you promised, Lord, you would hear and help. Well, here we are. Verse 12. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. How many times have you prayed that? In his house. Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to solve this. And I need help. Now, because they took it to the temple, they partnered with God. So listen to what he says. Jump down to verse 15. When he speaks, he says, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. That's the power of taking it to the temple. I partner with God. The battle is not mine alone, but his. I love what he says in verse 17. In this particular example, in this state, he says, "Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves and stand ye sealed and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O oh, Jude and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. That's what happens when you give the Lord a place to manifest himself to you in his house. Let's do another reason. Why else do we build temples? Go back to section 109. Let's do another one. I think we have time for one more. So number one, verse five, that the son of man might have a place to manifest himself to his people. Number two, verses 12 and 13. I love this one. Anyone want to read? What did Joseph pray that the Lord told him to say? You have my permission to ask for this because this is what I want to grant. This is the blessing I want to grant, so ask for it. Verses twelve and thirteen. Anyone want to read, Katie?
2: So they gloriously rest upon this table and upon this lay house, which we now dedicate to Thee, that it may be sanctified and consecrated to the holy, the holy presence may be continually in this house, and that all people who shall enter upon the threshold of the Lord's house may feel Thy power and feel constrained to acknowledge that Thou hast sanctified it and that is Thy house a place of Thy holiness.
0: So why do we build temples? So, So and I'm going to interchange two words. I'm going to change the, the word power and the word place. I'll show that in a second. Hold on. So what if we interchange place and power? Could I say, verse 13, that all people that shall enter the threshold of the temple may feel his presence? Why do we go to the temple? To be with Him. It's like going home, right? Everyone, anyone go home after a long period of time? You all made a sound. What's the sound you make when you walk into the threshold of your house after being gone a long time? That sound is the going to the temple sound. I am in His presence. Jill?
2: I think I was with you and Sabrina, we were at the temple in the baptistry and we were in our jumpers and like talking about how it's so easy to fall asleep in the temple. And then we compared the jumpers to being like your PJs and you're at home with your father in heaven. And that's why it's so easy to fall asleep.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Let me tell you a story. June 15th, 2002, a very evil man broke into a home that wasn't his. Put a knife to the throat of a 14 year old girl and took her from her home. Mm -hmm. He took her up into the mountains and abused her for nine months. He was 50, she was 14. Now when that happened, I had a seven year old daughter. This picture was taken around June 15th, 2002. Tell me what the news said to her. Tell me what, what the story of Elizabeth Smart's kidnapping told my daughter. Not You're not safe, even in your own bedroom, even with your sister there. That's what my daughter heard. Now tell me what's gonna happen in that heart when she hears that. I'm not safe, even in my own bedroom, even if my sister's there. So that night, in the middle of the night, she woke up in a panic, grabbed a pillow and a blanket, and slept and, and crept into mom and dad's room and slept on the floor. Right next to me. I woke up in the morning, not knowing she was there, and I stepped on my daughter. <laughs> the next morning, I stepped on her again. And there she was again. By the third morning, I was watching for her. And so I missed her the third morning. But every single morning, she was on the floor next to my bed. Every morning, I'd put her to sleep. I'd say, Brittany, you're safe. Everyone's fine. They didn't, they, they left the kitchen window open. We promise we won't. They didn't turn their alarm on. We will. We have a dog, they didn't. You know what our dog would do if someone came into our house. You're safe, stay in your bed. But every night, a panic would come over her. She'd grab her pillow and feeling unsafe, she'd creep into mom and dad's bedroom and sleep on the floor. Now, let me show you where she would sleep. Here's mom and dad's room. There's the bathroom, there's the hall. There's mom and dad's bed. There's dad, there's mom. Now look at all the room mom has. Look at all the room she has to sleep. And guess where she sleeps? Right there. Why? Where? Now, I thought it was the corner. I honestly thought it was the corner. That corner is furthest away from our front door. An intruder would pass everyone else before he got to that corner. It's not the corner. Where did that little, it kills me that not all all little girls feel this way, but where did that little girl know she was safe? And she taught me why we build temples. How could she sleep right there? And why do I go to the temple? Because the one place I know I'm safe is in his presence. I just need to be with him. I just need to feel that go home and I'm safe even if I don't do any ordinances. Make the temple a consistent part of your life. If you don't have a recommend, get one so that you can give God a place to manifest himself to you. He can answer your prayers wherever you go, but in his house, there's something special. Let's just do one more. I know this isn't revelation as much as it's the result of revelation. Maybe it's this more than anything else. But turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47. Now, a little history. Tell me when Ezekiel preached. Babylonian captivity. What has Ezekiel witnessed the destruction of the temple. Ezekiel 47. 47. He has witnessed the destruction of the temple. And as a prophet, he knows what's going to happen now that we've destroyed the temple. He knows what's going to happen to the land, to the people. The temple's gone. Now, Ezekiel has a vision of the future day where he's brought back to the temple. Now, I don't know which temple. Is this the temple in Jerusalem? But he's in Jerusalem. Is this a modern day temple in Jerusalem? I don't know. And I don't necessarily think we should necessarily go there, but Ezekiel is taken back to the temple, the temple at Jerusalem. And as he stands there at the door, what does he notice coming out? Look at verse one, Ezekiel 47 verse one. What's trickling out from the door? Water. He's standing in just, he's just barely getting his feet wet. And the water is headed east. Now, a thousand cubits later, it's to his ankles. So it's getting deeper. A thousand cubits later, it's to his knees. A thousand cubits later, it's to his loins. A thousand cubits later, it's a river that he couldn't pass over waters to swim in. Now, where's it headed? If this is Jerusalem, Jerusalem's right about there. If it's headed east, where's it headed? The Dead Sea. It started out as a trickle and it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper and it's headed to the Dead Sea. So the Lord says, hey, come here, come here, come by the bank of the river. So he he goes up to the bank of the river and guess what he sees, which you don't see in the Kidron Valley today. Many trees. And he said to me, now you tell me, listen to what temples do. These waters issue out towards the east country and go down into the desert and into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea. The waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. Temples bring healing. Temples bring healing. They heal the country where they reside. They heal the people that attend them. They heal families. Temples bring healing. I'm about to tell you a story. And I'm going to stand here with every ounce of my soul and testify that it's true. Other people in the world will disagree with it. But as I tell you the story, you tell me if the Holy Ghost tells you whether or not this story is true. Because I believe with all my soul it is. We caused World War II by what we didn't do at the end of World War I. World War I, we slaughtered Germany. We beat Germany up and then we all went home and left Germany in shambles. You think depression was bad in the United States in the twenties, in the 1920s? Go study depression in, G- in Germany after World War I. It was far worse. And because of that, it led to an Adolf Hitler. And that led to World War II. So after World War II, we were not going to make that mistake. There's no way we're going to go home and leave Germany in destruction. We're going to rebuild Germany. Now, four nations conquered Germany in World War II. From the West, if this is Germany, from the West came the US, France, Great Britain they came from the west from the east came the USSR and those four countries conquered Germany now we're gonna rebuild what are the chances those four countries agree on how to rebuild Germany what government to install never gonna agree right So we did the next best thing. We split Germany into four pieces. Everyone take your piece. These four countries had no problem unifying their three pieces, and for many years that was known as West Germany. And what kind of government did it have? Democratic, republic, free country, come and go. I remember cheering on the West Germans in the Olympics. We loved the West Germans. USSR kept their peace and actually built a wall around it. Not a wall to keep people out. A wall to keep them in. And that became known as East Germany. And it was a communist country. And I remember watching the Olympics during the Cold War and those East Germans were the enemies. They were the cold, heartless communists. And I remember watching that tension. Now, were there members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in East Germany at the end of World War II? Yes, there were. Who got trapped inside that wall and had children who grew up and married and wanted to be sealed. And so we, as a church began begging the government, they would beg the government. The nearest temple was Switzerland. Could we go to Switzerland and be sealed? And the German government, the East German government always said, no, no no one leaves. The church would get involved and begged them, please let our people go to Switzerland, be married, and then we'll come back. We're law abiding citizens. No, no, no. The answer was always no. Until one day, they said something I don't think the church was expecting them to say. Why don't you build a temple here? OK. We build a temple inside a communist country. Did they watch us every step of the way? Yeah. Did it, was it bugged? Probably. But we built a temple inside communist country. We built a temple inside East Germany. And the moment we built the temple, what started to flow out the door? A little bit of healing water. And after a thousand cubits, it was deeper. And after a thousand cubits, it was deeper. In 1990, Guess what the water hit? And guess what the water did? It healed it. Now, I'm not innocent. I know there were other factors, but I testify. Temple water inside a communist country healed the land. It touched that wall and it healed it. Now, guess where we have a temple today? Inside China. Inside China. Isn't it a coincidence that we built a temple inside Hong Kong just before Hong Kong went back to being China? And I guarantee that temple water is flowing towards Beijing. I believe with all my soul that temples heal. My wife laughs at me because we go to the Jordan, the Okra Mountain Temple, that's our temple, and there's two pools of water right in front of the doors. And every single time I slip my hand into that water. There is always water. Almost every temple that we have has water right outside the front door to symbolize Ezekiel forty seven. Go to the temple. Be with him. Be healed. Give him a place to speak to you, to partner with you in your challenges. Open up the scriptures. Be diligent with them. Turn heaven's help on. With all my soul, I testify that tools of the priesthood open up the personal line of communication. You control the flow. Heavenly Father is just waiting to fill whatever vessel you bring him. So why not turn it on? You control the flow. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.